Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Well, good morning. Um, Today, we're going to continue in John. Uh, We're going to be in John 12, um, specifically in verses 20 through 26. Uh, I advise you, you know, you can read ahead, but you'll miss everything that I'm going to say leading up to that. Um, I'll leave that up to you. So last week, we talked about um, Jesus setting us free. The only real freedom, not momentary freedom, not I've broken free of this for a day or a week or a month or a year, but the only real option for freedom that we have is in Jesus. So a question leading into this is, how is your freedom going? You don't have to answer that out loud, but I mean, it's something that God wants to continually, day by day, month by month, year by year, give you access to through him. So the new question this week is, what did Jesus free you for? Important notice, and I've said this a couple of times, and some people don't like what I'm getting ready to say, because they just don't. Um, Jesus doesn't do anything just for you. Never. Anything he does for you, and it is for you, don't get me wrong, but it is not just for you. And that may sound mean, but think about it this way. If something good happens to you, it normally affects other people. It just does. Think about it on a small scale. Someone ran, some random person that you don't know does some random act of kindness to you, exceeds all expectations, just something out of the ordinary, something kind to you. So kind that for a short period of time, your perspective changes. You, you're a little bit happier. You're like, oh man, that was so kind. So much so that in that period of time, it will impact the way you interact with other people. You may also do something extraordinarily kind. I don't know if you've ever been a part of a little pay it forward campaign uh, where you go through the drive through and someone has paid for your meal and then you're like, that's so nice. I'm going to pay for the person behind you. Not really. It is a van full of like 20 people, <laughs> but you're committed uh, and you do. But it, that's what happens when something happens to you. It typically affects other people. And this is I'm talking about good things. Same thing for the bad. You have a bad moment. What happens to the next person that interacts with you? It's a domino effect. Today we'll see that the forever purpose of freedom is kingdom fruitfulness. But fruitfulness, as you will see today in the text, comes at a cost. Are you ready? to be convicted, to be spurred, to be challenged, to do something with how you're living. Uh, Unless you run out of the room, you're going to hear everything that I have to say. So my my one thing that I want you to hear today, the thing that is most important that you'll hear through the text, is to lay it down. Let's pray. Jesus... This is something we naturally don't want to do. We don't want to relinquish control. We don't want to have open hands. We want to control and do the things that we want to do. 
But Lord, I pray that your word would intercede, would press through that, that it would do just what it says in your word, that it would divide soul and bone and marrow, Lord, that it would cut through all of that so that we could be laid bare. So that on the other side of this, we would be willing out of love for you to lay down our lives. So that the fruitfulness that comes from us would bear much in others. So Lord, let the word speak to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, John, um, leading up to John, you have some uh, crazy things that happens. Um, you have Lazarus. How would you like to be Jesus' friend? As a great gospel illustration and a great glory found for himself and the Father, he allows you to die. Which I think is poignant into what we're going to talk about today. But Lazarus was a really good friend of Jesus along with his sisters. And Jesus hears that he is sick and not doing well and he delays. And in his delay, Lazarus dies, is buried in a tomb and laid to rest. And Jesus tells his disciples, Lazarus is going to sleep. And they get like, well, that's great. If someone's sleeping, they're probably sleeping off the cold and they'll wake back up and it'll be good. And Jesus is like, no, 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 guys, guys, he is dead. But I'm glad that he's dead so that you would see and believe. And Jesus shows up after Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days late to the party. And both sisters have this kind of aggravated moment with Jesus, which I think is all right. To be aggravated with Jesus. I think it's all right to express that. It's not all right to hold it in and let that bitterness and angry affect how we do other things, but just to let it out. And so they tell him that if you were here, this wouldn't have happened. And he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We understand that you're the resurrection and the life. And we understand that in the end, we will raise with you. And he's like, just believe. And he has basically the same conversation with Mary. They head over to the tomb and he says something crazy. Roll away that stone. I don't know about you. I don't deal with a whole lot of dead people. But this is not a, um, a cold climate that they're in. This is a warm climate. And bodies tend to do certain things in the heat. And they... Um, there's a reason why they put spices and all these other things on the body to reduce the smell. And they're like, don't open the tomb because it's going to stink. Roll away the stone and he calls Lazarus out. And Lazarus comes, he obeys, bound in his, you know, bindings. And he says, cut him free. You know what happens out of this freedom? The Jewish people, the leaders of the Jewish synagogue, they already want to kill Jesus. They want to kill Lazarus because his testimony points people to Jesus. It's crazy. And then right after this, Jesus has his triumphal entry, which I think through the last few months we've hit in and around the triumphal entry a couple of times. But, you know, the same people that worship him in are crucifying him later. And at the end, to the end of the scene of the triumphal entry, the Pharisees make a statement, which is the build to what we're going to begin with in verse 20. 
is that the whole world is after Jesus. The whole world. Not just their little nook of the woods. The whole world is after Jesus. So let's jump in to verse 20. Chapter 12. It says, Now among those, because this was the time of the feast, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So that these came to Philip, one of the disciples, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Remember, the whole world is out to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And then verse 23, and Jesus answered them. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It never says in any of this that Jesus came and had a conversation with these Greeks. We don't know whether it happened or didn't happen. But we know that this statement was a peace offering to these Greeks who were there at the feast. And unless they had gone through a lot of stuff, including circumcision, they weren't able to participate in the feast. They could go and worship, but they weren't allowed to be a part of what the Jews were doing. They were kind of the outsiders looking in, but they loved God so much that they were there to participate. And they thought, while we're here, let's see this man named Jesus. See, the real Jesus will always be sought after. Always. This is what we see, regardless of the amount of persecution, regardless of the amount of clothes, regardless of how illegal Bibles are and the Word of God is and the conversation about Jesus is, people will seek Him. We see this in every single country. I don't know if you noticed, but on our little guest services table up front, which you're welcome to these, there are several little magazines from Voice of the Martyrs, which is a magazine that represents all of these people groups and people that have given their life to be fruitful for Jesus. They wanted to see Jesus. And he tells them, because all through this, as the Jews were trying to destroy him earlier, he's like, my time isn't yet. When they wanted to stone him, when they wanted to throw him off the cliff, he was like, it's not my time. And he wiggles through them. He said, that now hour has now come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he says something a little weird, partly because they don't understand, because we've seen the dialogue back and forth, even up into the crucifixion, up into the resurrection. They weren't clear of what was happening, but he's clarifying it here in verse 24. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. This is a hard truth that Jesus is going to literally demonstrate. He's going to be planted into the ground and out of that planting into the ground, out of that death, burial, and resurrection, there's a fruitfulness that is still going thousands of years later. And this is not an easy way just for those that, you know, have maybe camped out around Christianity, whether you're listening to this online, whether you're here right now. Um, Christianity was never meant to be easy. 
and we, we forget that. We think, especially in our American culture, that it is easy because, you know, we're in the South. And, you know, I think culturally it's getting more and more difficult. And I think our country is going to go like the uh, more liberal sides of our country where Christianity is more of a, a nominal thing that's on the peripheral instead of like the central thing where it has been for the South. But listen to this, Jesus' words, just for those that may be thinking, you know, this is a harsh thing for Jesus to say. And we've talked about this several weeks in a row, that Jesus said hard things, and we have to deal with them. Matthew seven fourteen, and after saying that the road is wide that leads to destruction, and many are on it. Verse 14, it says, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few let me talk through seeds and I, I am not a farmer okay so if you are like a master gardener let's just settle that i'm going to probably offend you in some way and i apologize <laughs> but for what i do remember of science class and I thought about going to uh, Walmart. Doesn't have any right now, at least from what I looked up online. I should have gone to Ace Hardware. I planned on getting everybody a seat so you could carry it home with you, because you make a choice. You know, you hold this seat, and, and if you put a little seat in a piece of, you know, plastic bag, and you ziplock it, and you put it on your shelf, it's going to say just like it is, until it's planted. It's going to not change. It's not going to produce anything. It will be exactly what it is. Until it is surrendered to the ground. Until its identity is allowed to be changed from what it was to what it's going to be. And it does change. That hard shell that's protecting the thing that life is going to come from is going to crack open. And as long as all the nutrition is there, the soil is there, the water's there, um, the sunlight, when it comes, it's going to produce, it's going to grow. And it's amazing. I'm telling you, we, we built these, um, well, we're not gardeners. We built these garden boxes in our backyard. And we planted some of these flowers from bulbs. I mean, they were nothing. They were just this little bulb. And they had sat in our garage for weeks and weeks and weeks. And they did nothing in our garage other than a few of them got murdered because I stepped on them. They were in a little bag. They're near the haircutting station. Um, and they got murdered. But the ones that survived, we planted in this little box that we created with some good soil and watered them every day. And there was no, I mean, there was just dirt. And after a while, it's, it's just crazy how these things just start growing up. And we got inspired, and we did that little box, and we did another one, and we got some um, um, pepper plants and some uh, mint leaves and some basil um, and green beans. Allie planted green beans from seed, and we had the little poles for them, and they started wrapping up the poles. And then little peppers started coming out on our pepper plants. And then I don't know if this is prophetic. I don't know what this is. But you've got to watch out for them stupid deer. Because we had, we had these. This is our backyard. It's fenced in. I mean, now the back back has only got like this little wire fence that a deer can easily get over. But they left it alone. They left it alone. Everything was growing. Jody was watering these things like once or twice a day. Allie was going out there watering these things, waiting, watching the growth. And then one night, these murderous deers 
come in there and they're like, hmm, it's green. They did not like basil and they do not like mint leaves. But them little peppers, little green beans, these, uh, we have these one flowers that haven't bloomed yet, but this other one, it's just, it was this huge, had these real leafy green leaves. And it was just like this weird, awkward stalk left. <laughs> it's trying to grow again, but I mean, until it lays in the ground and you commit to letting it not be, and this is the, this is the truth of Christianity, until you allow yourself to let go of what was and trust God. Because this is what you did, just like in the ground. When we put it in the ground, we, we didn't do anything. Like there's other texts that talk about like you didn't do anything. Like you planted it and you watered it, but like you didn't make it grow. God did. That's the miracle. I mean, we did our part, but these things started growing up and we had hopes of eating our own green beans and peppers Stupid deer. So you got to watch out. I think deer, man, it's like that sin. It's that sin that so easily entangles, it just comes in and starts eroding the things that we're wanting to work on. But until you're willing to let it go, and I'm going to have some clarity on this as we end, nothing happens. We see this with the... Um, the master and the servants that he left the talents with, the one that just buried it, not to grow it, buried it, to hide it. Even though he gave, I think there's a lot of us that are going to present Jesus with this seed that he gave us and be like, still got it. And he's going to say that was not the purpose. Verse 25 said, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is a hard one because you're like, how can I hate my life? Like uh, when it talks about husbands and wives, it says love your wife like your own body because you care and love for your own body. Like it's hard to go, well, I hate it. Well, uh, I, I read it this way and I've heard it explain this. Uh, your love for God or your love for everything else should look like hate, look like hate compared to your love for God. Not that you hate your life, not that you're like, I'm not going to eat anymore. Or I'm not going to I'm going to live, you know, in a cardboard tent out of the thing and not deal with anything because I hate my life. It's that nothing else is more valuable than your affection and love for God. John 14 26 or Luke 14 26 has something similar to this it says if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own mother and father and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes his own life he cannot be my disciple and I think what he's saying here is if 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 you love them more than me you'll make decisions for them that are against me You'll make decisions for them and not for me. You'll choose them over me, which later on Jesus is talking about, hey, there's going to be father against son and mother against daughter. There's going to be this separation that we're going to have to choose Jesus or others. And he's saying that you have to love me more than them. I found this in a commentary talking about the same thing. It says, because if we ought to despise our life, so far as it hinders us for living for God, 
For if we meditate on the heavenly life where the prevailing sentiments of our hearts, the world would have no influence to detain us. If our affection for him was so much so that everything else, we could easily lay down for him. Same thing with the young rich ruler. When he says, what do I need to have eternal life? And he gets to the point of what he's holding on to that he won't let go of, which is his wealth. He says, go and sell your wealth, give to the poor and follow me. I don't think he's saying that to everybody, but I think he's saying this to the one person because that's the one thing he's going to hold on to. And he's going to choose that, which he did clearly in the text, over Jesus. Verse 26 says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If we're willing to lay down our life for what God is calling us to do, at the end of it, there's fruitfulness. And here's, here's where faith comes in. Because when you let go of that thing that you love so much in hope for something that will be, you have to wait for the will be. It's just like when we planted those things in our backyard, it was two or three days. You didn't see anything happen. You're like, is there anything going on? And you had to wait. And like, maybe you really like those bulbs sitting in the bag in your garage. And you're like, I'm never going to see them again. But you have to wait until the, there's growth and fruit See, the fruit of this life is what we're going for. And the promise is that we'll bear much fruit if we lay it down. And if we lay it down and choose not to love our life more than we love Jesus, we'll keep our lives for eternal life. And we get to join Jesus where he is in his glory when we do this. And the Father honors us, which we see there at the end. The Father will honor him. Who does these things? If you are on our email list, uh, hopefully you just don't delete those things. Um, but I sent out an email yesterday uh, about a sabbatical that I'm taking um, starting next Sunday. I'm going to preach next Sunday and then I'm not going to be here for six weeks. That may sound odd to you. Uh, if you got the email, go back and read it. It'll explain a little bit about why that happens. There's some great articles and videos at the end of the letter that you can watch and listen to if sabbatical seems like an unusual thing to you. But I've uh, been in ministry for 19 years, 14 of those full-time, and have uh, only been off two Sundays in a row twice in those 14 years. And I, I don't say that. It's more of a shame to me than a shame to you. You didn't make me do those things. But um, we are... Super excited, um, not to be away from here, but just to see what God wants to do. And let me, what I'm getting ready to say sounds like he's leaving. <laughs> I am leaving for six weeks. I do plan on coming back, okay? <laughs> just, just for the record. But here's the illustration. As I'm reading this whole thing, and this is where I struggle, and maybe you struggle, and uh, this is partly what I'm hoping um, God does in me through this six weeks. You have two choices. You can be someone of a closed fist that's going to take all the things that aren't anybody's but yours. 
or you can be someone of the open hand. And let me just tell you, if you don't know this, this is what a believer is. Because he tells. He said, if you, if you love your mother, father, children, brothers or sisters or spouse more than me, you don't have me. If, if we're going to hold these things, and let me just tell you, I'm this guy who God is constantly trying to peel my fingers back, whether it's my children. I'm like, oh, this is, I got I to gotta, I gotta fix this. I got to do this. I got to make them listen to me. I've got to guide their life, whether it be this church. There's so much that happens here that I don't live like this and go, God, it's your church. God, it's your people. God, I, I'm going to be faithful to what you call me to do. But at the end of the day, I'm going to leave everything to you. And let me just tell you, I believe I have hindered the growth of this church at times from being this guy. It's going to hold it. It's going to keep it. And it's very difficult for me. To not be here for six weeks. Because I control. I like to. Because I feel like God needs me. To hold these things together. When the truth is. God doesn't need you. To grow things. He just needs you. To be faithful. And to what he asks you to do. And so the question for you this morning. Is what do you want to be? Because this life, sorry for this word, sucks. Because you're going to be angry all the time. Because there's things in here, in here that don't belong to you. That God's going to be doing his work in and through them. And when he does work to them, he has to pull them out of your hand. And you're going to be frustrated that he's doing things that you don't want him to do. And things are going to come out of your control and and kids are going to make decisions that you don't like. And you're going to have to go, God, you're the one who brings salvation to them. You're the one who brings life to them. And there's things in your marriages that you're sitting here going, I'm not going to change this. When God... And I I don't want you to, when I'm giving this illustration, I don't want you to think that it's this. Like you're getting rid of those things. You just hold them lightly. Because they're not yours. I don't know if we become one flesh when you enter into a covenant of a marriage. But she, in my case, he, maybe in yours, is not yours. She's God's. And he loves and cares for her much more than you do. And as much as your children are part of you in a sense that you share some DNA with them, you share some of the code that went into making them, they're not yours. And I encourage you as as I'm going to be, I'm sure, very challenged during this six weeks to not check in and not worry and not feel whatever i'm hoping that this time for me is going to be a time of death and i mean the good death i mean the things that i've been holding on so tightly god's going to give me some freedom in and 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 remind me that it's not yours 
And I encourage you, join me. I, I, I fully intend on what God, and I've, I've, I've got a very open hand to what God wants to do in this six weeks. I have a plan. I have an agenda. We have places that we're going. Uh, for the most part, I'll be gone out of this area because it's about the only way that I cannot be involved. Because if I'm not here, I cannot. And I encourage you not to necessarily like sabbatical, but like I, in my email, um, I need prayer for our family because uh, it's been a long, hard road. Uh, if you've never pastored a church, it is the most difficult thing I think anyone can do because there's so much that you carry. And some of that's our own fault. Some are things that God's like, that's not even yours to carry. Like, put it down, which hopefully this is what's going to happen. But I encourage you. Um, over the six weeks to show up. We've got you know, great people that are going to be pre... You're going to hear from two of our elders. Alan's going to preach twice. Two of my oversight guys are going to be here. One's Ben that was here uh, at the beginning of this year. And it, this church is going to go great. Prophetic, I'm speaking that. And the truth is, um, I need you during this season to do the same thing I'm doing. Because I feel like right now, some of you in this room are clinch fisting whatever. You are, you are holding on to it. And it's destroying you. It, it's literally robbing you of the joy and peace where Jesus calls us to live like this. And so what I'd like to ask you to do, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. I have one more section of scripture um, that I'm going to read. But I'd like to invite you... And you don't have to do this publicly. You can do this internally as you sit here during our last song. Is to confess it. As much as I'm confessing it in front of you guys, which is a struggle that um, I'm a control freak. And I feel sometimes that I do way too much because I don't ask other people. I don't. I feel like I'm burdening you. Like because this is my job and this is what I get paid to do. That you guys have lives. And the truth is there are some things that God's wanting me to not do so that you guys can walk into the things that God's called you to do. And forgive me for that. Because there's, there's everything, and this is what I believe from day one, there's everything we need as a church to be what God's called us to be in this room right now. And the only thing we're missing is a bunch of other people to stop clinging the things that are destroying you. Stop controlling things that you don't have control over and just say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to lay them at your feet. And I'm going to sit here with open hands. And, and this may be something over the next couple of days that you have to wake up in the morning and just visually, physically do this. Say, God, I'm not going to be this person. I'm going to be here. And you may start off your morning just praying like this guy. God, I'm, I'm, I want to be, because many of us aren't, I want to be an open hand disciple listen to this out of second corinthians 4 so since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written i believe and so i spoke we also believe and so we also speak knowing that he who raised the lord jesus will raise us also with jesus and bring us with you into his presence for it is all for your sake, 
so that as grace extends to more and more people, which is what we do when we're fruitful, grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer selves is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an internal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, just like... Most of what God calls us to do, the things that are not seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They come and go, the trees, the cars, the stuff. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Eternal focused people have open hands. And so decide. Decide what you want to be. Do you want to cling onto that seed, surrounded in your hard shell, safe and secure, or are you going to trust Jesus and lay it down and say, God, I want to be yours. And uh, let me just tell you, whether you're, whether you're 12, which is my daughter, or whether you are in your 70s, God's still willing to plant, grow, and be fruitful Anyone in this room who's willing. There's story after story that have, at, at, with short periods of time, people that are finally going, God, I want to I see you move in my life. And you just give it. And it is amazing what he will do with it. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.